Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. There's a passage I want to share with you this morning from the Psalms. It's the 73rd Psalm, Psalm 73, stanzas 15, 16, and 17. I will be reading this in the New International Version. Let us begin. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. I want to preach about it is sanctuary time. This is a day when doing rather than saying would be very appealing and very tempting. But here I stand before you this morning, daring to rush in where angels refuse to tread. Most preachers know that there are times when words are scarce and scant, when words seem to be minor and meager, when the sheer scope and scale of some circumstances render you speechless and wordless. The sin and suffering we see around us sometimes and even that we experience within our own lives can mute the message, can mute and silence the message of the gospel. Job's friends were miserable comforters because they spoke too quickly about a brother's suffering when they should have kept quiet, when they should have sealed their lips. And God would not allow Ezekiel to preach a sermon, to take a text or tag a title until he sat where the people sat. And the Bible reports that he sat there and he remained astonished for seven days, long before we get to Ezekiel preaching a momentous sermon in a valley full of dry bones. We find him sitting with the exiles at Chebar, silent and astonished. In the wake of the recent election, I am deeply troubled by what I see happening in this country we love. The election and its buildup has exposed a deep racial divide in the evangelical community. The statistics are indisputable. Most whites, blacks, Latinos, and Asians view themselves as Christians and view the candidates and the results of this elections in radically different perspectives. 
more troubling for me in this recent election, depending on your perspective and your political affiliation, and I have nothing to do with that, has been the willingness of some notable leaders in the evangelical church to demonize one candidate and to canonize the other in the name of biblical values and orthodoxy. The church should be the one place where we are able to see the good in the worst of us and the bad in the best of us. And in the church, whether white, black, Latino, or Asian, a man or a woman should be judged by the content of that character and not by the color of their skin. And in the church, in the church, according to scriptures, we ought to pray for those who are in leadership positions in our nation. First Timothy 2, 1 and 7 said, I urge thee first of all that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings or presidents, and for all those in authority, that we may live a quiet and peaceful life in godliness and holiness. Needless to say, I feel, and perhaps some of you feel like the author of this psalm, a Levite. A worship leader in the sanctuary during David's reign. Faced with the blatant contradictions around him, the age-old problem of the prosperity of the wicked and the suffering of the righteous, he cries out to God. I love the message paraphrase of this text. It says in Psalm 73, 16 and 17, Still, when I tried to figure it out, all I got was a splitting headache. Until I entered the sanctuary. He said, until I entered the sanctuary, then I saw the whole picture. Muddled and mired in doubt and skepticism, he plods and slogs along until he experiences a breakthrough. And that breakthrough came when he went into the sanctuary. I didn't want us to become muddled or mired in the metaphorical on this day in our lives and in this country, it is sanctuary time. Yes, sir. Sanctuary time is prayer time. Sanctuary time is worship time. Sanctuary time is when we can take hold of a perspective that is not necessarily available for public consumption. It was sanctuary time for Jacob when a riverbed became a leaning post and he was backed up against the wall and he says to God, essentially, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And in the dark, dark, damp precincts of a Philippian jail, in Acts 16, there was sanctuary time when Paul and Silas refused to complain refused to absorb themselves in self-pity, and a prison cell became a prayer closet. Long before Elvis came up with the notion, it was during sanctuary time that a jailhouse rocked. All prison cells don't have bars. Somebody could be locked up right now. It was sanctuary time on a deserted aisle called Patmos. 
God transformed this rugged terrain into a celestial temple and John got caught up in the spirit in the Lord's day. And he saw things that were beyond the ability to express. And so it is sanctuary time. It was for ASAP in this psalm. I believe it is for us now. At this point in time in history, there are some troubling signs. And yet, God has blessed us with the remedy. There is no search for cure. The cure for what ails us has already been provided. When I saw this in the text, when my spirit and my concerns led me to this passage, there are three reasons why it is sanctuary time. And they're all in this text. Our providential calling, first of all, determines it. Our providential calling determines it. The psalm launches with the words, you can read it in stanza one, truly God is good to Israel, even as such as are of a clean heart. It's a reference, a very obvious reference to the covenant relationship that God has with his chosen people, Israel. God reminded Moses of this truth in Exodus chapter 19. Went up on the mountaintop, he said, of the house of Jacob, and he said for Moses to tell them that I've carried you on eagle wings and I have blessed you in covenant and that of all nations you are treasured and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Israel's sad legacy is that they forgot and forsook this truth. In the end, they live beneath their privilege as children of God, as the elect people of God. Like Israel, the church is ecclesia. We are called out. We are called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I have to tell you, the church's ultimate power and potential is not willed in a voting booth, but it's willed on our knees. It's on our knees. The church was birthed in a prayer meeting. And I believe the contemporary church risks more than just going out of business. We risk losing our prophetic voice and our spiritual presence in a culture that so needs it. Lord issues a classified ad in John 4. The Father desires true worshipers, but they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I passed a sign on a church and it said this. It said, God receives all knee males. God receives all knee males. That's really a wonderful metaphor for prayer. How many of you know how to email? See, most of y'all are sophisticated. You have email, you have Twitter, you have Facebook. All of that don't matter if you don't know how to knee mail. 
In this world we're living in, you better learn how to kneel. Father, I stretch my hand to thee. Nor the help I know if thou withdraw thyself from me. Where shall I? You don't even need a wireless provider. to have an email and it never shuts down. An email, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock! Here we are facing a fiscal cliff but I'm not just going to stop there. A moral cliff and a racial cliff. It's time for God's people. It's sanctuary time. It's sanctuary time. If we really believe God is who he is and can do what God can do, it's sanctuary time. God accepts Nemail. I pray that we will be a church committed to Nemail because of the second reason in this text that is sanctuary time, our present crisis demands it. Not just our providential calling determines it, our present crisis demands it. There is no hope for this world. I say this without apology, I say it without equivocation, I say it without reservation. There is no hope for this world apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ! is the way, not ways, the truth and the life, and no man comes unto the Father, but by him, I really do believe it. And I believe he stepped out in the midst of nothing and created everything that is. And not only did he create us, he saved us. And his blood has no partisan partiality. His blood is there for all of us. The present crisis demands that his sanctuary time, ASAP had to get to that point where that truth was as clear as a crescent moon on a dark night. I thought about him, his dilemma, and I remember reading in 2 Kings chapter 19 how King Hezekiah, the good King Hezekiah, faced a terrible, terrible challenge. The Assyrians had surrounded him and the people of Judah. And the Bible says he didn't call in his military commanders. He didn't call in any political strategists. What he did is he acknowledged it was sanctuary time. He went into the sanctuary, into the temple of God, and he stretched out before God, and he addressed God, and this is the way he talked to God. He says, oh God, the one who dwells between the cherubim, the mercy seat where once a year the high priest would go in, and only the high priest with blood from an innocent victim, blood from a lamb without spot and blemish, and he'd pour that blood out on the mercy seat. This is who Hezekiah prayed to, the God who dwells between the cherubim. And under the mercy seat, under its cover was the emblems of Israel's failure. And yet when the blood was poured out, 
The cherubim in symbolic grandeur could only see the blood. The cherubim who were protectors of God's holiness, of God's righteousness and justice, could only see the blood. Symbolic of the fact that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Our present crisis demands that it's sanctuary time. It's sanctuary time for me on a very personal level because I think about what kind of world my kids and my grandkids are going to have to live in. It's still true. Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. It's sanctuary time. When 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is still the most segregated hour in this country. It's sanctuary time. It's sanctuary time. So between the cherubim, he prayed. Over the mercy seat, he prayed. Symbolically, as he thought of that holy place, asking God for divine intervention. This world needs to see a church that's critically and compellingly apologetic in its gospel presentation and compassionate in its action. The church that Jesus is the head of, he went about the villages teaching, preaching, and healing. A church that is insightful, a church that is inclusive, and a church that incarnates the love of Christ. It's sanctuary time. Not only because our present crisis demands it, not only because our providential calling determines it, but lest I keep you too long, because our proven confidence declares it. Our proven confidence declares it. You read Psalm 73, once you get past stanza 17, it's like a whole different tone. Once the brother goes into the sanctuary and he sees things clearly, he moves from confusion to confidence. He moves from disillusionment to delight. He ends his song with a note of confidence and commitment to declare the truth about God to whoever he sees. His confidence declares that he said it's good. It's good. Y'all say it's good. He said it's good for me to draw near to God. I had my annual eye exam a few weeks ago. They put you in front of this sign on the wall. Some letters are very big. Some are very small. As you grow older, the big ones get smaller. They put this machine in front of your eyes and the optometrist or the ophthalmologist start clicking. The, he says, is it clear or is this better? I said, do it again. <laughs> he said, is that better? He said, is this good? And then he switched out. He said, is this good or is that better? I said, oh, that, that's real good. <laughs> well, that kind of happened with me this week in the wake of this election, in the wake of the division I see in our country, in the wake of the division I see in the church. God put me in his chair. He said, is this clear? I said, no. He says, try this. He says, what about this? And then when he put 
Jesus up there. When Jesus showed up, prosperity didn't help me. Political reality didn't help me. Human will did not help me. But when he put Jesus on the screen, when he put Jesus up there, you know what I said? I said like the ancient hymn writer, my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. I'm all right today. I'd have been all right at this point no matter what happened Tuesday. Because I know who holds tomorrow. I wish I had a witness in here. I know who holds it. And when I went into the sanctuary, I understood. You don't have to wait till you get here. You don't have to wait. Your life ought to represent a sanctuary where the Spirit of God dwells. We're not a political action committee. We are a redeemed community. We are a church. If there's any hope for this world, if there's any hope for our society, it will come from a spiritual resolve. You know, I just only ended this morning by saying this to you. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary pure and holy tried and true and with thanksgiving I'll be a living to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on Certain truth for uncertain times.